God is moving today, amen? Tell you, it's so good to be back and to be a part of what the Lord's doing here. And today, that's what we're looking at is, it is the Lord. Uh, we're going to be in John 21, and we're wrapping up this series about, obviously, what you just saw in the video and what you've been hear about, hearing about, is, which is rediscovering Jesus. And as we've looked at who Jesus is, he is so much greater sometimes than when we allow ourselves to see. And I think part of that is because we're, if we're honest, afraid of the implications. Like, can we trust him and really follow him? And as we get into this today, you're going to see that God loves you in a tremendous way, way beyond anything that we often can comprehend. And not only does he love you, but he wants to restore you. He wants to to lead you forward with him. He wants to use you in, in significant ways in our world. And that's like really, really good news. As we enter into John 21, uh, we're picking up after Jesus has been revealed a couple of the times. This is after his death, after his resurrection. He's been revealed a couple of times, and he reveals himself to the disciples to begin to give them a vision of who he is as Lord and what it means to follow him and be his church. I just want to remind you that in 2022, we've been getting some clarity on who we are as a church. And so that vision that God has given us as a church is to literally be the church, restoring, raising up, and reaching out. That restoring is this reminder that God touches hearts, he heals, he restores through anything we've ever been through. And as we get into the text today, you're going to see how that plays out real time between Jesus and the disciples, and a man in particular named Peter that had kind of really screwed things up, had failed. God restored him, then began to raise him up, and as he's raising him up, he, he wants the same for our churches, that we would be a people that is raising up a generation of Christ followers, and then is reaching out to the world around us. You see, we all have influence and impact, and sometimes we're not aware of how we're showing up and how that's impacting others. Robert Mulholland says this about the brokenness in our world and the wholeness, the restoration that each of us need. He says we are being shaped either into the wholeness of the image of Christ or a horribly destructive character of that image. We become either agents of God's healing and liberating grace or carriers of the sickness of the world. And that's kind of a sobering moment, isn't it? To, to realize that unless we create space and meet with God and allow him to be Lord, then part of us showing up is actually spreading sickness, not wholeness. And I just want to kind of make sure that we're all on the same page as we walk through this today and as we walk into a series on Song of Solomon next week. Which, by the way, my wife and I pray for us, man. Y'all are so excited about this series. And uh, there's a little bit of pressure there, you know, pray for us. Uh, but it's good. We're excited to share the truth of God's word and, and who he is and what he does. Uh, but here's the thing. There's something in each of us that God has to touch. And what I want to do is make sure we normalize conversations 
with people about getting healthy. That means that you need to know it's okay to go to a counselor, to go to a life coach, to go to a spiritual director, to find a group as a part of the church that you can be real with, a, dis- a life group or a mid-sized group, that those are spaces that the Holy Spirit works through other people to speak into our lives. And I regularly participate in those myself. So if you have a problem with that, you have a problem with how God has worked in my life. And I say it that strongly to say, we need to let the Lord work in our lives. Amen? And we need to remove some of this stigma. So about four years ago, i meeting with a gentleman, actually. He's a spiritual director, kind of a counselor. And, and I'm meeting with him, and, and he's aware that on my business card at the time, it said beach bum. Okay? Now, some of you are like, oh, yeah, he's in Vero Beach. That's why he's a beach bum. Uh, no, actually, I grew up on Lake Huron in Michigan and then spent the other 20 or 25 years of my life uh, on West Michigan, in West Michigan, near Lake Michigan. So there's always been an affinity to water towards the beach and that kind of thing in my life. So Vero Beach is just like a major upgrade. Can I get an amen? <laughs> and, and so I love the opportunity to be here. These are actually two of my beach chairs. These are my Tommy Bahamas. These are my babies. These are in my trunk at all times. In fact, uh, we visited with my brother and his wife out of town uh, a couple weeks ago, and a poor guy had to call an Uber because I had no room in my trunk for his luggage uh, because I had my Tommy Bahamas. (laughs) And so I uh, found myself sitting with this counselor a few few years ago and him asking the question, Brian, uh, you know, what is the deal with the beach? Why is that so significant in your life? And I had never been asked that question. And so immediately, I just broke. I just started weeping. And, and if you've been a place where I felt safe, I felt seen, I felt free from everything else going on, and it was a place that filled me up. As I got into a real relationship with Jesus in my 20s and 30s and now into my 40s, it's been a place where Jesus uniquely meets me and big parts of our vision came from me sitting in a beach chair here locally, listening to the Lord and journaling, and then processing it with our team. I say all that to say, God's got a space for you. He's got a space for you, whether it's the beach or somewhere else, where he wants to meet you and say, I am Lord, I love you, and I want to use you, and you're going to hear that over and over today in the message. Let's get into the word. Turn to John 21, and in John 21, we pick up actually on a beach scene. We actually are going to see Jesus engaging the disciples on a beach, even serving them breakfast. Like, man, these guys got a great day, in my opinion. And uh, we're going to see what this means for our lives. You ready? Y'all here? You good? Talk back, church? Okay. All right. All right. Here we go. John 21, verse 1. It says, after this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. I'm going to pause there. There's a little debate that's happened over the centuries about were they disobeying Jesus by reverting back to what they knew? 
I think actually, and, and there's other scholars that, that would kind of look at this as well and say, actually, they, they might have been, but in reality, they were probably trying to fill the time and they were just hungry. They knew how to fish, so they went out that night to fish. And we're going to see what happens and how Jesus enters into that as Lord. Verse 4, just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? Now, when he says children, uh, that's a little bit offensive. This is adult to adult, right? They don't know yet it's Jesus. And, and it would be like saying like, hey, boys, hey, little guy, right? Hey, children. And, and it's interesting because there's humble enough that at some level that doesn't offend them because look at what happens next. They answered him, no, we haven't caught anything. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. Now, I don't know a lot about fishing. I'm beginning to pick it up here in Florida. I'm enjoying it with my kids. I do know that the fishermen I've been around typically aren't the most open to the advice of others. Okay? Interesting how they're humble enough he says, throw the net on the other side of the boat, and they actually have results. Verse 7, that disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, what did he say? It is the Lord. Say it like you mean it. It is the Lord. You're going to see that phrase throughout the text today because that is the deal. If we understand that Jesus is the Lord, it changes everything. So for Peter, he says, it is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work. Uh, I guess he had a different dress code. And uh, threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about 100 yards off. If you're taking notes, the first point here is, it is the Lord. This is real life revelation. This is Jesus showing up in their everyday, ordinary experiences. Jesus showing up in what they knew, which is fishing. And this, for me, is really encouraging because I know the Lord often wants to show up in spaces outside of this room. Isn't that good news? I mean, if all you knew was God shows up on a Sunday morning, that could get you through probably Sunday, maybe part of Monday, but by Tuesday... If you're really trying to walk with the Lord, you're going to need something more. And the reality is the Lord wants to show up in our everyday life. He wants to reveal more of himself, whether it's in our home, our relationships, our neighborhoods, whether it's in the workplace, like for them it was with fishing. So Jesus is revealing himself to them. And as he's doing this, these are fishermen that are hard workers they have a strong work ethic. They knew that Jesus had told them that, in fact, you would now be fishers of men. They knew that God had something more, but they didn't know yet what it would look like. So, again, I want to remind you something I'm going to say throughout the message today, because as I prayed about this particular message, I felt strongly that many of us are carrying around things we're not meant to carry. That, in fact, the starting point to get those things off of us and to find freedom is to understand how much he loves us. So if you're taking notes, Jesus loves you. 
and he wants to use you. He loves you, and he wants to use you. And did you notice what happens with Peter? Peter hears and recognizes that it's the Lord. And it's in that space that now, in his humility, right, they listen to the advice. He hears that it's the Lord. He immediately is obedient, and he is passionate. He dives into the water to get as close to the Lord as he can. How do you respond when you hear something? How do you hear, obey, and respond with passion? Let me just show you a funny clip I came across this week. Some wives testing their husbands. It's a pretty good setup for a marriage series, right? Wives testing their husbands on a certain noise to see how they respond. Let's check it out. great yeah I just love that and uh, some of you are like what's that noise Uh, it has to do with football and they're running to the tv to see what game is on right and I just think of Peter like he recognizes it's the Lord and his voice and he is ready to jump into the water and to get to the Lord humble obedient and passionate when we get around other people that are that way that helps us grow And we're entering into a season where, again, we want to help you learn to hear the voice of the Lord in your own life and through others. Uh, We have so many life groups, as we put up this slide, for you to consider being a part of. It's an exciting time. In the next couple of weeks, we are launching men's ministry, women's ministry, Celebrate Recovery, marriage ministry, 12 life groups in addition to that. So many opportunities for you to get connected and to plug in. In Luke 10, 2, Jesus said this. He, he said that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. He, he said this because he has something that he wants to do in our world. And if you've been around here for a few weeks, you know God is moving at Pathway. If you've been around here for a few years, you really know God is doing a new thing at Pathway. And because of that, we want to encourage you to hear, to obey, to take whatever step the Lord is showing you. And the reality is he loves you and he wants to use you. And you might go, well, I don't know how he wants to use me to to share my faith with other people. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how to be a fisher of men. One of our life groups is actually uh, focused on organic outreach. What does it look like in everyday life to share your faith? I want to show you a quick one-minute clip from the pastor that's the founder of that material that's now a group here at Pathway that we would love for you to consider. Let's play the video. (music) 
What is organic outreach? All it is is sharing your faith naturally. And I think of organic outreach happening on three levels. First, personally. I'm called to live out a life of faith, a love for Jesus, a passion for his kingdom in my own life. But imagine, imagine if every Christian was living their faith, loving Jesus, and sharing his good news in natural ways wherever they go in the flow of a normal day. And then let's add to that. Imagine if every home became a lighthouse. We talk about organic outreach for families. If every family, if every home, whether it's, a, whether it's an apartment or a neighborhood or a, or a trailer park or a retirement center, where you live becomes a shining light of the grace of Jesus. People are being prayed for, loved, cared for, and served, and the message of Christ is being shared in homes. But we go beyond that to the third level, the local church. Imagine if every local church became a mission statement proclaiming Jesus, but also showing his presence and love, serving faithfully in their community, declaring the good news of Jesus. That's organic outreach, sharing faith naturally in our personal lives, in our homes and neighborhoods, and through the local church to the ends of the earth. So you can sign up for that on our website if you want to be a part of that group. Here's where we're headed right now. We're in the middle of a moment that Jesus is now going to meet with them on that beach. And what I know and have, have known heading into this message is that the next set of verses, the next things we're going to look at are really probably where God needs to do some of his greatest work among us. And so I want to pray us in. God actually woke me up. Uh, you know, sometimes when I wake up at 4 a.m., it's because of the food I ate the night before. Anybody else? This time it was very clear. I, I was awoken last night at 4 a.m. Pray for the church. Pray for the church. So I tossed and turned and prayed for us because God has something that he wants to do in our hearts that I believe we're going to see revealed through what's next. Let me pray. Father, we love you and we thank you that you love us first and that you want to use us to reach those around us. But before we get to that, Father, there is work you need to do in our hearts. Just as you did with the disciples, and in particular with Peter. God, I just pray right now we would be able to set aside any distraction. A Holy Spirit, you would move and work. That our ears would be open, our hearts open, our minds open. And that you would find a people that are responsive to you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to pick up here in verse 9. The rest of the disciples are now arriving on the beach where Jesus is with Peter. It says in verse 9, When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. I love that. Jesus is serving up breakfast on the beach. What a cool opportunity. Now, none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew what? It was the Lord. They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so would the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Now, as we look at this, this idea that it was the Lord, this is what matters more than anything, is that we understand when it is the Lord, that we want to get next to the Lord and do whatever the Lord is doing. And in that particular moment, he's serving breakfast. If you're taking notes, 
Part of understanding it is the Lord is to realize he wants a relationship with you and he has rest for you. And that's really good news because it's out of that place of the Lord saying, I want a relationship loving you, restoring you, healing you, growing you, that out of that place comes all the things he wants to do through us. So there's relationship and rest available. That rest is not something that, the, that is often comes easy to us. In fact, it's often formed to us because we have very often a motor that says, do more, strive for more, and, and be more. When Jesus is saying, I want you to have a relationship with me, I want to hang out with you, I want to spend time with you, I want you to know I'm available to you. Pretty incredible what he offers them on that beach. If you're taking notes, God loves you and he wants to use you. But as he does that, he wants to do that through relationship, through rest, and renewal. And this is different kind of rest than what we often think of. You see, some of you are going to take this and go, hey, Pastor Brian said I should go to the beach today. Maybe, maybe, but here's what I've learned over the years, and I'm still living in right now in my own life. Like, this is just like me being very transparent. There are no amount of days off and no amount of vacations that can actually fix an unsustainable life. You see, you can go away, but if you come back and you're disconnected from the Father and you're not in a sustainable rhythm of life, you're going to fall right back into the unhealthy stuff. Anybody? And so part of it is realizing that this idea of rest is deep. It's to the soul. It's to the core of who we are. It means that life can be happening all around us, and there can be chaos and craziness, but within us, our soul is at rest because we know he is the Lord. Let me read to you what Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30 says, one of the greatest promises that Jesus offers us. He says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find what? Rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light, Jesus says. You see, the invitation from Jesus is into relationship and a soul that when you make the space to spend time with God, when you make the space to actually be with him, he actually allows your soul to, to relax and to rest. He begins to show you that, hey, you don't know what to do in that relationship. You don't know what to do as a husband, as a mother, as a father, as a wife, as a grandparent, as a retiree, as a career-oriented, driven person. You don't know what to do, but guess what? If you'll get with me and you'll rest in me, I've got a plan, and I'll carry all of that heaviness you feel right now. But we have to be open and honest and be willing to spend the time with him. That rest is a gift, and it's available to us, and it's something, like I said, I'm learning how in this season to say, God, what you're doing is bigger than anything I can handle. And so I need you to give me rest in my soul. I need more of him for what he has 
for me, and I'm submitting to you, he loves you and wants to use you, but you need relationship and rest in order to do what he has for you to do. Come on, church. Some of you just need a nap. But truthfully, some of you, right? This is what's beautiful. He feeds them after a night of work. He rests with them after a night of work. We are physical, emotional, and spiritual beings. Well-being is often connected. Like you may see one area of your life out of, like you could be super spiritual and physically you're a mess. You could be physically great shape, but spiritually or emotionally a train wreck. Yes, I called you a train wreck. I've been a train wreck, okay? I'm not saying anything I haven't had to face myself at times. And so this is the beauty of who God is. He doesn't enter into it with shame. He enters into it saying, I love you. I've got better for you. And that's where it goes next is what he does for Peter. Because see, Peter was somebody that had failed. Peter had failed pretty miserably. In fact, as we look at this next section, Peter is the guy We're in chapter 21 of John, that in, I believe it's chapter 18, he denied Jesus three times. He was publicly denying that he even knew Jesus. You talk about failing. And here comes Jesus to to say, hey, I want to give you some rest. I want to restore our relationship. And as I do that, I want you to experience forgiveness like you will find nowhere else. I want you to know that when I lift the yoke, I lift every bit of guilt and shame. I lift all of the condemnation. I lift of all the brokenness. I lift all of the things that you have been carrying. And I want to forgive you and make you whole because I have more for you. He does that out of a place of love. Look at what's next in verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. I'm going to pause right here. There's going to be three moments where Jesus says, do you love me more than these? In the original language there, you have one, two of the times the word phileo is used for love, another time agape. There are people that have, have believed that that might be the phileo is used often with friendly love, agape, with more of a sacrificial and surrendered love. Most commentators and scholars actually believe that while that nuance is happening there, that the two actually are used interchangeably so often in, in the Greek language and in the New Testament that it might have been just that. It might have not been as intentional in that respect, and it was actually more the reality that Jesus is saying it three times because the last time Peter was near Jesus at a charcoal fire, he denied him three times. That that actually, he's repeating this because every time he denied him, Jesus is now saying, do you love me? Yes, then I have more for you. I want you to feed my sheep. I want you to tend my lambs. I want you to care for those around you. Verse 16. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Again, if you're taking notes, it is the Lord. There's forgiveness and followership that we're going to see here in this passage. That is a word, followership. If it wasn't, I was going to invent it today. I looked it up, true story, it is a word. So forgiveness and followership. If you're taking notes again, God loves you and wants to use you. He is also going to use everything you've been through for his purposes. This is incredibly good news. Because in the place of Peter's pain and denial and and the things he had done, he could have hidden them, he could have ran from them, but instead he revealed them as Jesus was meeting with him and that allowed him to experience forgiveness and freedom and restoration. There's an author that says this about forgiveness. Uh, That author, Rita Snowden, says this, You ask me what forgiveness means. It is the wonder of being trusted again by God in the place where I disgraced him. You likely have made some mistakes in your life. Is that fair? I've made them. You've made them. It's in that place of those mistakes and those failures that you need to know how much he loves you, how much he wants to forgive you, how much he wants to restore you, and then not ask you to hide those things. Please don't. Because your testimony, your story of what Jesus has done in those places is actually likely how he wants to use you next. It's likely the fact, and and here's the thing, religious people, you're terrible at this. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh, he said it. I mean, it's true, right? Religion teaches us to put on a church face, to clean ourselves up, and to act like we've never done anything wrong. And that is not the Jesus that we follow. When we understand that he's Lord, we acknowledge where we've been and how good he's been. We acknowledge what he's done. And that's exactly what's happening for Peter is he's being forgiven, restored, and now repurposed. Look at what the next two verses say, verse 18 and 19. It says this, uh, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, he's talking to Peter, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show what kind of death he was going to have to glorify God. After saying this, he said to him probably the two most important words Peter would hear at, this, at that moment other than, I love you. These two words, follow me. You see, Jesus was inviting him to follow him because he was saying, it is the Lord. If it is the Lord and I follow him, he has great plans and purposes ahead. But I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what you're believing. I don't know where you're at. But I'm trusting that as we've walked through this series, we are rediscovering that Jesus is not just some great teacher or miracle worker, that he is the Lord. Come on, church. And if he's the Lord and you begin to see the Lord move, then you get close to him and you do whatever he shows you next. 
Because when we begin to do that and we follow him in those ways, we will see your life, your influence, our church, our community, and our world change. See, Jesus enters into these spaces with us to help us get healthy, to help us get close to him, and then use us as we follow him. But for some of us, there's things that we're holding on to, things that are standing in the way, things that, that maybe we aren't yet ready to surrender to the Lordship of Christ. And I say this because I've, I've been there multiple times in my life, but one of those more significant moments was back when I was uh, 19 years old. I was hired by a Christian camp. Uh, that summer, we served 22,000 kids. This was one of the biggest Christian camps in the country. They should not have hired me. Okay? They shouldn't have. Because I had one hand open to the Lord, and I had one hand holding on to the world. A couple weeks before getting hired, I was actually in the bar. You go, well, how's a 19-year-old doing that? Well, remember I grew up near Canada? Just hop across the bridge, and they have a different legal drinking age. Some of you are like, man, our pastor is a train wreck. I told you I was, right? I told you I've been somewhere, but how good God is? So, so this week of, of staff training, I'm there being trained, and there's four days, and I'm under such heavy conviction. I mean, so much so that, that seven times... During those four days, I packed up my car to leave because I was under such conviction that I wasn't really following the Lord. And it was actually on the fourth night that the founder was speaking, and he spoke on uh, taking up our cross. I believe Matthew 16, I'm going to put it up, was, was the actual verse that he was sharing. Verse 24 and 25 say this, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And all I will tell you is as I sat there in that moment among 400 college students being trained, it was like literally I was the only one in the room. As I sat there, I literally felt like I was the only one present. As the Holy Spirit was speaking to me and saying, Brian, you've been fighting me. Will you surrender and follow me? It is the Lord. And I submit that to us today to say, listen, I believe some of you, you know exactly what the Lord is saying and wanting. And you just need to let go. You need to lay it down. You need to take up your cross and follow him. And I want to tell you that day when I surrendered, I was filled with the Holy Spirit in a way that I had only heard about. I have not been perfect since that day, but I have been transformed from that moment. I've never been the same. I've never been the same. My brother and I were laughing. He, uh, he's a pastor and an executive director of a network, and he shared recently about in his testimony, it was seeing Jesus and his brother and going, where did my brother go? That began to lead him to the Lord. I believe there's some of you here that God is knocking on your heart and saying, it's time. It's time. 
I often will put up next step questions at the end of a message. Um, I'm going to put them up right now just so the band knows to come out. Um, Because you can read them. I'm not going to go over them. First service and this service, I, I have felt led more strongly to just call us to follow Jesus and to take up our cross. And so I want to pray. And as I pray, what I want to do is I, I'm going to invite you, if that's you, if you're feeling God tugging on your heart to say, yes, it's time to, to, to really take up your cross. It's time to say it is the Lord and I'll follow him. I believe that his plans are good. That's you that in a moment that you just stand right where you're at and I'll pray for all of those standing. Then I'll pray over all of us collectively. If everybody's standing, it'll be two prayers in one. First service, we had a number of people that stood. I believe the Holy Spirit is doing something today at the end of this series. He's calling us forward to follow him. So I want to offer that opportunity, and then we'll go into a time of worship and singing. The altars, the kneeling benches will be open. Band will lead us as we declare who he is. Right now, if you'll just bow your head, close your eyes. If you're one of those that are sitting there, just like I was at 19, at some level feeling the Holy Spirit tugging and convicting, if he's asking you to take up your cross and follow him in this season, to declare he's Lord and to trust him, I'm going to just ask right now with all eyes closed that you just stand right where you're at. Just take that first step of taking up your cross. Just stand right where you're at. Let me pray. Father, thank you for those standing. Thank you, God, for the way you are moving in our hearts today. You are Lord. And for each person standing, they are boldly declaring that by standing and taking that first step of faith. I pray that every step forward as they follow you, they will sense you saying, I love you. And I want to use you in new ways. Jesus, fill them with your spirit. Holy Spirit, fill them from head to toe that they could bear the fruit of the spirit and do the works you've called them to do. Thank you that you are the God that forgives and uses everything we've been through. Jesus, we love you and we praise you. I pray over everyone online and in person today that we would be a people that boldly declares to the world your love and that you are Lord. God, we thank you. Be with us now as we worship and praise you in song. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's all stand and let's declare these truths in faith and believe upon him as we worship him. Oh, Lord, complete what you've already started in this service today, God. Finish the work, Lord. We're receiving you. Thank you, Lord. Our Father everlasting, the all-creating one, God Almighty. Through your Holy Spirit, conceiving Christ the Son, Jesus, our Savior, I believe in God our Father, I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three. 
you. He wants to use you this week. And uh, I'm going to pray us out in a minute. If you're a guest, 
we hope you feel welcomed. If you come through those doors, we have a welcome center. We have a gift for you. Uh, For everybody else, there are tables in the cafe set up uh, for a number of the life groups and ministries. Um, Even if you, uh, let me encourage you to go check it out and to consider signing up. Even if you don't, let's overwhelm them with some love and encouragement today. Just give them some high fives. Get to know other people. Amen. This is what it means to be the church. It's to be together, to be connected, to declare in a world that is dark that he is the light and he is Lord. So, Father, we love you and thank you for all that you're doing here in our midst. For those that stood to follow you in new ways, God, again, be with them and bless them. For all of us, I pray that we would live lives that would declare by our, not just our words, but our deeds that you are Lord. May we hear you. May we respond to you this week. Use us right where we're at. We thank you for what you're doing in our midst and for the forgiveness and the freedom that we find as we follow you. Father, may we love you and love all people in our pathway this week. May we be the church you've called us to be. We thank you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Go now and be the church. Have a great week.